Hello, and welcome to another episode of Memo by Gaia Legal, a podcast where we talk about life, the law, and how to live in better agreement with the, the earth, starting with ourselves, our family, and our small businesses. Um, we are diving into property, I'm not diving into, it's just an overview. So intellectual property to wrap up the series. We started the series with defining our brand and who we are as individuals and having that energy flow into our businesses. And so once you start defining what your lane is in the marketplace. How are you transacting in the marketplace? Here's my lane. You want to start defining that lane to the external world. And that is how we end up at intellectual property, copyright, trademark, patent, and trade secrets. So you can tell the world, hey, like this is my lane. And we started talking about in the previous episode about why lanes um, from a philosophical level are important. Lanes refer to private property. And in some areas of the world or some people don't think private property is the way to go. So just examining what is the history of private property? How did we arrive here? What did our ancestors say about how to manage property? And what are the pros and cons of doing so? And of course, the tragedy of the commons and so on and so forth. So intellectual property. Um, and then let me just say one thing tragedy of the commons. And I also shared a personal experience of how I saw that play out in the classroom. Because when you're dealing with adolescents, it's like you're seeing like the world on a micro scale. I gave the example of how I gave out free pencils when I was first teacher. I thought, oh, like this is great. Or sometimes people, I see this happening a lot in like online adult courses now. It's like gamification or I'm going to give them points. I'm going to play games. But when you've taught for a while, you start realizing like these things like are not sustainable and they don't work in the long term because you're going to get really burnt out unless you bring that energy down and have a system that can run itself. So um, intellectual property, uh, property review, and trademarks. There are generally three types of property, real property, personal property, intellectual property, real property generally. These are all general terms. You can fight over these in court. There's case law um, defining these more specifically, but real property, property affixed to the land, uh, not movable, personal property, properties that movable, generally speaking, and intellectual property, creations of the mind that come into form, books, music, tangible items, creations, businesses. World Intellectual Property Organization defines intellectual property as the creations of the mind, such as inventions, literary and artistic works, designs and symbols, names and images used in commerce. Key used in commerce, especially when you're defining a trademark, has to be used in commerce. If it's not used in commerce, you can't trademark it because there's no trade in which to separate from the other. Patents, trademarks, copyrights, and trade secrets are intellectual property in the United States. Patent owners decide who can make, use, or sell an invention. Trademarks tell consumers where product or service comes from. Copyright owners can decide who can copy, distribute, perform, or create deriv derivative works. And trade secrets safeguard business secrets. The U.S. may protect plants, industrial designs, and regulatory data. So all of these things, patents, trademarks, trade secrets, and copyright are defining the lane that you're transacting in. But how can you define the lane that you're transacting in if you don't know yourself and then yourself is energized um, through the branding and your business model, through your business plan? That's why when a lot of people come to me, let's just say they want LLC formation, my first thing is going to be to guide them to a business plan because I need something. I need something that shows that you've thought about this because you can form LLCs all you want. It's just going to be an empty entity. It's going to be disregarded anyway when you file your personal income taxes. It's a very expensive, not expensive, I mean, it's a couple hundred dollars, things to keep up over the course of a year. Um, it's meaningless unless there's a creation to fill it. And then obviously a creation, you're going to draw in financial resource because you're creating an excess of energy that's then stored in dollar form and so on and so forth. So 
side gig to small business, number one, what is your business plan? What are the elements of your brand? How are you protecting it? It is really, really the primary step. So property law, we have private property, you have common property. Property law defines um, ownership in real property. If there's a violation of those ownership rights as espoused, the bundle of rights, ownership, uh, right to exclude, right to possess, right to use, and so on and so forth. If there's a violation of those rights, um, that gets into tort law. Tort law is compensating people for intentional or negligent violations of property rights. Um, trespass to property, that's an intentional tort. You act with intent, a substantial knowledge that a certain result will occur. And there's, when you go to law school 101, even if a thing passes over your land that's not supposed to be there, uh, that is a violation of your property right, your property right for exclusive possession, exclusive use, exclusive control, exclusivity of that property. And really the exclusivity concept, like this is mine and not yours, these are the fruits of my labor and not yours, it comes from this idea, and this can be argued as we move forward in society in Pluto and Aquarius, exclusivity comes from the idea that if this is mine and not yours, and you take what is mine, we're gonna end up in conflict. So there's justifications and drawbacks of property rights. These are come from Wikipedia. You can go see these on your own. Um, I think it's this idea of like capitalism, the law. We have boundaries and it makes transactions like very efficient. But when you get to this level where you're bringing in millions and millions of dollars a month, like I hang around with people, they bring in like $400 million a month proven because they crack the code on the system. But you have to, and some of them are like, I'm just here to store up money. So you have to think about new money versus old money. I use the Downton Abbey example. New money, we don't necessarily have the character, the spiritual principles in which to handle that money. And that's where estate planning comes in because estate planning is really like recycling those ideas of our ancestors of like, yes, we have abundance of resource, but how are we using that to recycle back to the collective? That is what estate planning and then business creation um, with proper estate planning is about versus when you just have new money, you just hoard and hoard and hoard. You don't necessarily have the character. I hate to use that word, but it's what I'm going to use the character to go along with that. So when we think about, and I'll go over these in our next series next week on Taurus three, but when we think about complete wealth, what is complete wealth? It's not just money and taxes. And by money, I mean finances and taxes. There's a lot more to it. There's, um, it's the idea, old money, new money. You have to have the character to go along with it. We also went over just to review the tragedy of the commons. The idea here is when you have a common area, you would think like, oh, this is so great. Everybody can share it. We'll just live in utopia, happy harmony. But the fact of the matter is in reality, that's not how it plays out because people are generally speaking self-interested. He uses the example of the population problem. The earth has a carrying capacity, but people generally speaking are self-interested. So they can have eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 kids. And they'll be like, well, this is my life. I'm an independent, free, um, free person. I can do what I want. Whereas another person, instead of having eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 kids will ask themselves, oh, I have this creative energy. How can I consider our carrying capacity, the resources of the earth, and maybe create a intellectual property, a digital creation instead, so that we are not using up the resources of the earth in a way that um, brings it out of balance or is unsustainable. Because when you have a person, they're gonna need material requirements, food requirements, so on and so forth. And when you have systems where 
not enough people have business, like you're relying on corporations, you're only relying on a few people to provide the service for a mass of people. When the mass of people are not creating local and small business, it becomes really imbalanced. And then the people at the corporate level, like millionaires and billionaires, as you would say, um, they are trying to figure out like, how can I serve more people on a greater scale? It's all about scaling. But when you, you go to scale, you're losing connection with the earth, you're losing connection with the people, you're losing connection with the localized personal experience, and then you colonize basically microcultures, right? Everybody starts looking the same. Everybody shops at Target. You go on Instagram, you have Target moms in, in Tennessee, you have Target moms in California, you have Target moms in Texas. They all look the same. It's just different location. So be, you become one in that way, but then you have to ask yourself, do we really want to become one and become this monoculture? It's kind of like monocrop when you think about like corn and we don't have the diversity of seed, like what is that doing in nature when we have monocrops? Uh, how is that going to affect humans when we have a monohuman who's no longer diverse and whose different perspectives are not honored and cherished as part of the collective? And that's why I love astrology. The side note, because astrology helps us realize that we are all born at different times, locations, dates, and we all come in very different diverse skills. How can we honor that individuality, honor the diversity, but then also contribute to the collective in a real tangible way, in a small localized way, so we can preserve diversity of humanity instead of becoming a, a monocrop, mono like um, that big seed maker and let's just say corn. So <laughs> tragedy of the commons. Population problem has no technical, technical solution. So it's, yes, you have all the financial resources in the world, but you have to think about the character. But when you start adding the character, you start realizing like, actually, I don't need this financial resource and I can recycle it back in the community. Maybe perhaps that is my role here in society. So bundle of rights. Um, bundle of rights, you can possess, you can control, you can exclude, you can enjoy, you can dispose. Estate planning is mostly about disposal, but also about use, um, enjoyment, so on and so forth. Uh, depends how you write your estate plan. It's a contract between you after your transition and the people who uh, remain in the location after your transition. And generally, the court is going to construe your documents. Well, how did you intend? What did you intend to honor you as now an ancestor, someone who contributed to the historical knowledge of our society? And... Um, yeah, some people like to be more controlling when they after they transition, and some people like to be less. So these are all conversations you can have with your estate planning attorney. And that's basically what I do. I do these for small business owners because small business owners, you cannot afford, generally speaking, to pay a huge expert in all of these fields that are all actually very well connected. When you go to big firms, these people are in separate departments and they collaborate but that costs a lot of money because now you have like five attorneys, 10 attorneys, 15 attorneys working on your one case. Like if you have a corporation, you need that. But if you're a small business owner, you're starting from nothing, um, just having someone, and that's what we specialize in, having someone who's adept in these very interconnected areas of law at a small business level. Um, you don't need to have someone who's litigating in the Supreme Court necessarily at this level because these, these issues at this level are very common and to many people and they're uh, easy hurdles to get over because usually it's not very complex at this point. You're not scale. You're not dealing with a lot of people, employees, contractors, issues. Obviously, the more people and contractors and, and you know systems you have in your business, the more you're going to need more attorneys. But when you're a small business owner, you can just start with like an in-house counsel. And we basically are the in-house counsel for you. And that's why we cover these areas because these are the foundational areas 
um, that will get you started and get you going and establish a good foundation so you're not litigating and <laughs> wasting all these money, this money later on. So U.S. trademark law introduction. What is a trademark? It's a form of intellectual property defining the lane of your business and brand. Trademarks include uh, service marks or words, phrases, symbols, or designs that identify and distinguish one party's goods or services from those of the others. You should register a trademark because once again, like copyright, you have common law rights, but registering as a federal trademark has advantages. Um, it's prima facie evidence. You just have to file, oh, here, here's my trademark. Here's the filing number. It kind of shifts the burden. It will shift the burden to the other person to, to defend themselves. So you don't have to like bring that to court. You already did that proactively. Uh, analog is like estate planning. Do you have your estate plan done? Or are you going to go fight it out in the probate court? It just depends. How do you apply for a trademark? The USPTO, US Patent and Trademark Office, accepts online trademark applications. Before filing, you should conduct preliminary research, clearance, so you're not filing unnecessarily. The trademark application can take like six months to a year. So you don't want to um, have someone in that time like come and you know squat on your land or whatever, your intellectual property land. So you wanna do some research beforehand, identify where you want to use the mark, where you don't want to use the mark, obtain evidence that mark is being used in commerce. Depending on your situation, you can also file an application with an intent to use the mark, um, but then you have to provide additional evidence. It's a different application type, and it just depends, right? <laughs> it just depends on the facts of your situation. So consult with an attorney or an experienced advisor. So now going to the USPTO trademark office, I just want to close here showing you all the resources. So you can go here, USPTO, home, trademarks, basics. These are very robust sites. Everything you'd ever want to know is here with the codes and everything. But I do want to just focus on, do you need an attorney? Because I think a lot of times small business owners, they don't realize the need for an attorney. They just DIY, a lot of people DIY after, DIY after they have a problem. Um, so you're so focused on operations. But here at Gaia Legal, we are trying to educate and support small business owners in getting this done sooner rather than later. And one of the, the parables that, you know, my practice is founded on is the parable of the man, two men who built the house. You had a person who built the house on a solid foundation. You had a person who built the house on the weak foundation. And they both encountered rain. They both encountered conflict. They both encountered problems with their houses. But it was the one that was on the solid foundation that was affixed to the land in a way that was in agreement with self, universe, source that stood the test of conflict, time, weather. And the other man's house, well, he had to start over again. And that is time. And the most valuable resource you have is time because you cannot get it back. It's one and done. And so by building on the solid foundation to begin with, you save time, you're not in litigation, you're not responding, reacting to problems. You're building a business the right, I hate to use the word the right, but yeah, it is the right way in terms of like when you define right as reducing conflict and trying to, to be efficient and save time. If you define right in another way, then maybe it's not the right way. But if you define right, but I want to be efficient, I want to save time, I want to make sure that the reputation of my business is solid, I want to focus on providing an exceptional client experience and not on putting out buyers, well, yeah, then yeah, you want to establish the right legal financial insurance tax foundation first. So do I need an attorney? No, not necessarily. 
um, but there are benefits. They can give you about advice about the clearance. They can take care of your legal correspondence and so on and so forth. So it goes back to time, an issue of time. You, small business owner, as the CEO, COO, uh, human resources officer, everything, you wear so many hats in your business because you have yet to evolve into a medium and larger size business. You, as the visionary of your business, do you need to delegate out the legal to someone who that is their passion? Like for me, it, law is my passion. It's also my natal chart. Like this is my passion. I love like going on these sites and researching and like strategizing. This is my passion. Do you want to delegate that to someone who's that is their passion? Or do you want to continue to do everything yourself? Because if you continue to do everything yourself, there's going to be a cap on your time. You only have so much time, energy in a day. It is finite. So a lot of times small business owners have to find their like zone or niche of expertise. Like these are the things I love doing. These are the things that give me energy and delegate the rest. So when you start hiring VAs, you start hiring contractors, but before you start hiring VAs and employees and contractors, have your legal in place first because you're going to end up reacting, hiring, firing continuously, which is, you know, hiring and firing person, you're like, oh, that's so easy. I just hire them, send them email, fire them, whatever. No, there's a huge transaction cost because you have to think about the training and the onboarding and then you fire and then all those conversations. That is your time. And again, in business, time is money. So consider the legal first. That's why many corporations that you have franchises, we get the legal done first. So everything's in place. And then now you can grow. It's kind of like growing crops. You want to find the right soil first, and certain things are going to grow and proliferate. Certain things are not. But we need to get the right soil first so that we can have a chance at growing this from a small to medium to large. Even if you just want to start a small business, you're going to attract your ideal clients when you are able to have a solid foundation. So that is the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Again, DIY legal support. And these are most of the people that come in. Can you do this on your own? Absolutely. I support people in doing it on their own by offering legal education courses. Um, first, on business planning, turning your business plan into a brand. And I use the archaeological, or archaeological, wow, astrological archetypes to do that. But then once you have your business plan vision down, okay, now let's put this into form. Let's choose for-profit, non-profit, not-for-profit. Let's make sure that we have our proper entity, our taxes, our insurance. Um, the legal contracts, the last episode I gave like nine contracts for small business owners when they begin. We have to think about all these things. You'll have to think about everything you're going to be evolving, but at least the foundation's in place so you can breathe, you can just allow, and you can open yourself up to the creative forces and then have the creative forces move through you and serve the people that you are here to serve. And small business owners, consider like what is the unique value that you bring to your business? So for me, you know, I am trained as a lawyer. My business, I have experience in small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses, been in Fortune 500 companies. Like this is my unique value. I'm law and business economics as a math teacher. This is the unique value. So here I am. But if you're, you know, teaching calligraphy or if you're providing a different, let's just say painting service, your unique value is not legal. Your unique value is painting because you know how to paint. And that's why... I'm going to hire you to paint my room because that's not my unique value or like an interior design. Like I love doing interior design as a hobby, but as I become more busy with the firm and all these things, it's like I can have conversations with them. I can give them my vision, but I need to hire an interior designer because that's their like passion. They can do that all day long. And for me, I tried out interior design, but there's 
a level where I'm like, ah, this is, this is not like, not very good at this, at least to this level, or I just don't enjoy this anymore. I like it as a hobby. So that's like how we know ourselves, know ourselves, know who we are, know what contribution we're here to give. And when we find it, then we provide the service. And of course, you know, can go to other episodes to hear my whole life story about how I did that for myself. And then I infuse that into my business. So that's DIY legal support. And that is all. We are finished with Taurus 2. Next Monday, we're going to be entering Taurus 3. And that's the decan of Taurus 3. Sun will be in 20-ish to 30-ish degrees of the constellation of Taurus in the natal in the astrological chart. In Taurus 3, we have five days because we had weekends in there and so on and so forth. So these are the visual representations of Taurus that I was able to find, Taurus 3. You have a masculine version, you have a feminine version. This one here, you had the masculine. He's doing hard work, hard work. He might be looking for a result, but that result is not there yet. And he's kind of disappointed. And he's like, why am I working so hard, but I'm still like poor and broke? So that's one thing that I'm going, that inspired me to make these episodes. And then another one, we have seven of pentacles. This is like a more feminine receptive version where you have the seven pentacles like in a circle. So you see like masculine linear, cause it's like low to high. And then you have feminine here, which is circular. So collaborative. I want to put both here. So both were representative, but she even has seven crystals here. So using the energies of the universe and she's watering. And it's like a very, it's like a joyful task to water your plants and to see, and even the dog is like sleeping very Taurian right here. And so as she waters the plants, allowing the water to do the work for her and working in agreement in concert with the natural energy of the plant to create abundance. So these are two paths you can take. A lot of us, I speak on behalf of myself, sometimes in my history, we are trained in a very linear hero's journey, masculine capitalistic sort of society. And you even see that here. However, we can also learn and honor the ancestral contributions of people that have been colonized, that, uh, you know, maybe knew better than, <laughs> than our ancestors in certain ways, but they didn't listen. They thought they knew better and so on and so forth. And you have all the, the mindset energies going into a religion, all these things. We're not going to get into that, but just thinking about how, as Pluto enters Aquarius, are we going to separate into two worlds? where you have like the woo-woo new age people here and you have like the solar God religious people over here and we just cannot work together. Or is Pluto in Aquarius going to be a transformative energy allowing us to come together and realize that for the most part, we're talking about the same thing using different language, but we all have different traumas and experiences that we're bringing to the table. But how can we work together to create a more just, sustainable world for all, especially when we're all know, under the same, in, in the same earth, under the same sky. So that is the energy that I'm infusing into Taurus 3. And I just thought like when hard work doesn't work, what do we do? So Monday, getting clear on like, what is money? Money is energy. And how are we feeling money? I had a lot of ancestral money issues coming into my life that I had to work through. It took me years to work through. This is not like a one and done. This is not like listen to a podcast episode and like heal your life. No, like this can take time and maybe your time will not be as long as my time. Cause I like to like explore every nook and cranny and be, you know, I don't know. I, I, I like to explore. Uh, and that's why I came back and say, here's my explorations, but here's some shortcuts because you might not want to spend so much time doing this. 
So money as energy, feeling as body, head, mind, gut, and heart. How are we taking our ancestral issues with money and reprogramming the mind so we can be open and receptive to basically God moving, God's source universe, moving the money, energy experiences through us. We all have different set points. We all have different material resource requirements. How are we opening up to receive that? And then also doing to receive that, but a lot of us are already doing enough. <laughs> it's more about opening. And then Tuesday, 516, the activist, the giver, the capitalist. So looking at these archetypes, the pros and cons of each, each archetype and how they create different worlds and different points of view. And, you know, maybe being open a little bit more to the capitalist point of view and seeing things from a different shade or different perspective. Um, but then also capitalists being more open to the conscious activist point of view. So trying to build bridges here on Tuesday, 516. And these are mindset because I go in with like trying to start broad and then bring it back in. So Wednesday, 517, thinking about what is wealth completely. And then here we go, start with the legal structures. Um, just like a business where you start with your business plan, your vision, when you have a family, your family business, if you decide to have a family with children and so on and so forth, that's your first business. Um, and all people can create that into a business-like structure with like vision, mission, goals, structures, procedures. How are we passing on property and so on and so forth? That's the idea of complete wealth. So we'll start with that. Thursday, 518, just like a business plan. How can you do this for a family or a group of people who act in a family? So not everybody is called to start like a business in the traditional capitalistic sense in a corporation. Like churches, for example, operate in a more familial Cancerian instead of Capricorn, a Cancerian type of structure. And how can we create mission statements that are more feminine receptive in nature? And how can we include the Capricorn element of finances in that? So it's like, a business vision operations, I was coming from, let's just say a Fortune 500 company. This is what we do. It's very young, very action oriented. Here, KPIs go versus we're coming at this from a different, the different end, the other end. So how can we start in a very emotional space? Because families can be very emotional, emotional ties, blood ties. And how can we create a similar result from a different energetic space? And then, well, the results can be different because it's different energy, but we can still accomplish the same result in terms of wealth, abundance, freedom. That's what I'm talking about. And then Friday, 519, how to talk about money and wealth with children based on the developmental age and what they can handle or not handle at that time. Because a lot of times, and you'll see this on TV, um, when you have very wealthy people, if the character building is not there, the wealth is squandered. Sometimes you can mitigate that through the estate plan. And there's tools that people use regularly, like ages and stages to mitigate um, someone just going and like spending all the money or having requirements for the child to have access to the money. Because if you do not sow, if you reap without sowing, you're not connected to the energy and it does something to your mind to, you know, you don't understand how to use the money. It's just a tool. So how can we develop that in children over time? That will be Friday, 519. And then we will be into Gemini, which Gemini is all about communication. It's an air sign ruled by Mercury. And I'm still thinking about the episodes for that. So that is all we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Gaia Legal, we provide holistic legal counsel to small business owners who are looking to address global issues in their local communities, starting with ourselves, our families, and then our small businesses. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, have a wonderful weekend and I will talk to you next time. Bye.